0: Dictating letters, proposed Brenda Dowdle. Good answer, said Mrs. J, but no. Going back to work after drinking three martinis, Jessie Putnam said with a giggle. I never have more than one martini at lunch. You, Miss Putnam, should show similar restraint. We all froze for an awkward moment, embarrassed for Jessie, until Mrs. J added, Today, of course, is an exception. Cheers. And she lifted her glass in a toast. Is it meeting with... This from shy Eugenia Gilmore, who never raised her voice above a whisper. With... She said something I couldn't make out. Trudy Frizzell, sitting beside Eugenia, repeated the word that had been inaudible to the rest of us. Newspaper men. Oh, that is just difficult, I'm afraid. Other wrong guesses offered by the girls included managing the department's budget, going to Washington to testify before Congress, and telling a room full of copywriters, all male, what to do. I was the only one who kept my mouth shut, and Mrs. J noticed. Miss Gleason, she said, turning to me, don't you want to wager a guess? I think, I said, looking down at my hands, curling my fingers to hide my gnawed nails, it must be difficult to have to perform in front of a crowd. Giving a speech and all, in public. That's hard, I imagine. I struggled against my instinct to shut up. And maybe it's easy, too, if you're used to pretending to be someone you're not. I was instantly horrified, aware too late that I had effectively accused one of the city's most powerful businesswomen of hypocrisy. To her face! Good Lord! Had I left my cozy home in Cleveland just to be thrown out on the street in New York? I had no family in the city and not a penny of savings. Yet I had boldly revealed my capacity for rudeness to the woman who was in charge of my livelihood. Pack your bags now, Maggie Gleason. I should have known that Mrs. J would never fire anyone for failing one of her pop quizzes. Anyway, it appeared I hadn't failed. Touché, she said, grinding out her cigarette. Now, girls, let's talk about what it means to pretend in this business. Scale Bar When I started working for the Port Authority in the spring of 1958, The headquarters was on 8th Avenue, Austin Tobin was executive director, and Lee K. Jaffe was the chief of the public relations department. I had been hired as a secretary, and so was not surprised that one of my first assignments was to fetch coffee for Mrs. J. I was surprised when she ordered me to make a mock-up of a detailed map with individual shops listed of the downtown blocks between West and Greenwich streets. I knew nothing about how to make a map, and Mrs. J didn't take the time to give me instructions. She just warned me to be discreet when I visited the neighborhood to gather information. The best method, I decided, was to trace the designated area of an existing map of Manhattan on a separate piece of paper. I used the largest map I could find, so the neighborhood I was supposed to include filled nearly the whole sheet. I wrote in the street names by hand, Then spent a morning downtown exploring the blocks from Fulton to Liberty and from West Street to Greenwich, charting the major businesses, among them Sims Men's Apparel, Cantor the Cabinet King, Arrow Electronics, McInnes Restaurant and Bar. I went inside them all in an effort to gauge their dimensions. I walked out to the end of West Street to count the piers, then had a hamburger at McInnes. My last stop was Oscars Radio Shop. I discovered in Oscars something between a hardware store and a curiosity shop. I felt an urge to comb through the boxes filled with rotary switches, clamps, hooks, and dials. Huge spools of copper wire were propped against the walls. Heating pipes pinged gently. Abandoned televisions and radios beckoned to be adopted. Scattered without any evidence of order along the shelves were terminal strips and boards, metal plates, vacuum tubes, and other oddly shaped objects with inscrutable functions.